Hi, welcome to Behind the Sounds. I'm Leah and I'm here today with hit songwriter James McNair from Nashville. Hello, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, James will probably have written at least one of your favourite songs if you're listening. Uh, so many hits in the last few years, so so much to talk about. Um, but we're going to start right at the very beginning. So am I right in saying you had quite a musical upbringing? You were quite a musical child? or? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was funny. My grandma um, used to have uh, just a, this like old Sears guitar from the Sears catalog, and it was basically uh, strings on a piece of plywood, uh, and it was an electric guitar. So I wanted to be like a shredder, you know, I wanted to be a, a Jimmy Page or like one of those guys that, um, you know, could, could rip solos. I didn't really care about the song side of it. I just wanted to be the guy that goes up there and, and rips the solos. So I started playing guitar at age seven and um, pretty much just uh, continued playing through high school and then was more serious and actually learning, you know, the structure of songs and uh, the parts, the actual solos of songs instead of just, you know, noodling around. So, um, yeah, I started at seven and, and was in a couple bands um, in high school and we would just do cover songs and Leonard, anywhere from Leonard Skinner and like I said, Zeppelin and all that classic rock stuff. Um, and then I, I started trying to write my own stuff in high school. It was terrible, you know, speaking of structure and figuring that out. Um, but long story short, uh, yeah, I just, I played through high school and then went off to college and really started um, figuring out like structure and how to craft uh, songs when I was in my dorm room because I had a roommate that lived there for um, I guess like just the first two months of our first semester and then he moved in with a buddy because we were all supposed to stay in a dorm our freshman year I was at Al University of Alabama and so when he moved out I had the whole uh, dorm room to myself so I was able to like go in there and play guitar and like really figure stuff out and I didn't feel like I was annoying anybody so uh, that was kind of when it really started to where I was like you know what this is cool the songwriting thing you know, figure out how long verses should be and like what's what's a cool chorus and great melodies and that type of stuff. So um, that's when I really started pick, you know, putting the pen to paper and figuring it all out was college. Yeah. And what would you say, obviously you were saying you kind of played with like classic rock covers and things. What were your musical influences or who were they from kind of, did they change throughout kind of high school and college? Yeah, it was funny. Um, so my dad, uh, always had a bunch of um, vinyls around when I was a kid and he taught me how to use the uh, the record player super early early on and when I was a kid I was always the one all right the coolest looking album cover has to be the best you know yeah. and so um, a lot of those old classic rock um, covers are really cool and uh, I and he had a ton I mean he had boxes and boxes that he had collected and so I would go in and um, listen to ACDC, Zeppelin, like classic rock, but songwriting side, one of my biggest influences and still is Bruce Springsteen. And my dad had all his records. He was a huge um, Bruce fan and had seen him live like probably 10 times and was always talking about the boss, you know? So that's where I, I really, I, I think tur it turned the page for me, especially going into high school of listening to some of those records like Nebraska um, that was recorded. I don't know if you know this, it's pretty crazy, but 
all in his kitchen on a four track recorder, um, which is just like a cassette and you just press one track, play the guitar, and then you can put the harmonica. So he did that whole record on a four track recorder, which I thought was awesome. And it's super raw and real and lyrically it's just insane. And so um, I'd say he's one of my biggest influences, but as it moved on, I I got into kind of the jam bands just because I liked all the the guitars (laughs) and, was into Grateful Dead and Widespread Panic and um, used to, you know, go see a lot of their shows with buddies in high school. And uh, then I would say probably my freshman year of, and I was always listening to um, country music. So even in the 90s, my parents always had country radio on and stuff in the background. So I I had um, been into that stuff, but I didn't really get into it until like it was like early 2000s country. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all in high school and going fishing and, and partying. And it was like th- those days, it was like um, Montgomery, Montgomery Gentry was on a big run. Um, and obviously Chesney and then, the you know, Keith Urban had some amazing records in the early 2000s and still, you know, still does. But that's when it kind of, you know, sunk its teeth into me. I was like, okay, this is really good stuff lyrically. Um, tells a story like uh, it, it like helped me bridge the gap from like the Bruce Springsteen's and the classic rocks and some of it didn't make sense and I was in a 90s alternative like Nirvana, Alice in Chains and all that stuff so to bridge that gap to country was pretty easy just listening to the 2000s stuff and then from then on I was always listening to like um, country radio and um, whoever was coming out with stuff. Yeah amazing and was there a point in your like in your life where you were like this is what I want to do I want to make music I want to write music is there a point that you remember being like that's it that's the goal I actually do it it was it was funny um so after college um I so I went to University of Alabama for two years and then I transferred to University of South Carolina and I was still playing in bands and I actually had picked up drums because everyone everyone needed a drummer so I was playing drums in some bands and bass here and there and so I picked up a few um, new instruments along the way but I had this band in my hometown once I'd moved back from college um, and we were doing um, you know covers and it was more um, like bluegrass type feel it had um, we would cover a lot of uh, Avett Brothers and all that type of stuff and I started bringing songs to the band that I wrote by myself um, and I would sit and write, um, in my old apartment in Aiken, South Carolina, where I'm from. And I just remember, uh, being on stage and we would go from a couple covers and I'd throw an original in and I'd have some, at least two or three people every night come up and be like, Hey, what's that song about X and X? Like you need to send that to, or you need to go to Nashville and play that for Kenny Chesney. Cause he could record that and it would be a big hit. And at the time I was so green, I didn't know that songwriters were writing these songs for these big time artists I thought all the artists were writing their own songs you know just because of listening to Bruce Springsteen listening to guys that were doing that um so that put me on this big YouTube um just black hole where I just went down and found all these videos of like Craig Wiseman and all the greats um Brett James had a and they all have great uh you know resources through Belmont there's a lot of great um songwriting like videos how you got to Nashville that type of thing and I remember my dad was trying to put me on salary in the golf business. He um, runs a couple courses where I'm from and I was, you know, laying sod and doing mowing grass. And he had that conversation like, all right, like, you know, we need to talk about putting you on salary and you working for me. And I remember having just a 
huge like epiphany of I don't want to be doing this. I don't, it's too hard to where I, I mean, I watch, I watch my dad work and he still does 70 hours a week and, it, and it's just, he loves it. That's, that's his thing. And I was, I remember after playing probably another year of shows with the band I was in and getting great response. I was like, you know what? I've saved some money. I had a boat that I had bought in high school and I was able to sell it. So I had a little bit of savings and I was like, you know what? I'm going to move to Nashville. Let's see if I can find a job in the golf business. And if I could find one and, you know, work 30 to 40 hours a week um, and do a lot of it on the weekends, maybe I can have like a day or two off during the week to figure out the songwriting thing. So I, I basically packed everything up with a little bit of savings. Uh, and I had visited Nashville one time and, and uh, met up with a buddy of mine that I had met in college that still lives up here. And he let me stay for a few days and I fell in love with the city and the, the energy. And this was in 2012 when I was visiting. And then I, March 1st, I moved everything to Nashville and I had had a job lined up at Brentwood Country Club and started there. And then I was just going downtown, um, well, not Broadway, Nashville, but like Midtown and going to uh, uh, Whiskey Jam, which Ward's a good buddy of mine. And so uh, I met a lot of great songwriters and started networking and, and co-writing. And that was a new thing for me because I wrote everything by myself. And basically just um, it, it snowballed from there, just met a lot of great people that I still write with and keep in touch with. And yeah, just made the, the leap of faith. And I was working, shoot, I was working two to three jobs at one point before I had my publishing deal. And it took me, you know, two and a half years to, to get a publishing deal. But in the scheme of things, that's, that's really fast, you know, <laughs> um, it, it, you know, they say Nashville is a 10 year town and I've just hit my over, I just went over seven years um, this March. So yeah, it's been it's been a really great journey, and I've met obviously I met my wife here, um, which was amazing. So that was kind of in a nutshell what happened. I just got to that point where I was like, all right, I don't want to work for my dad, and I want to chase this music thing. And uh, I just knew I just had that gut feeling, you know. Mm -hmm. So and in them, so you were saying obviously two and a half years from moving to getting a publishing deal. In them two and a half years. Is there anyone in particular who kind of you felt really helped or guided you in the right direction? Because obviously you're saying you've never, you've never co-written before. I imagine it's probably quite daunting going in and these people who have maybe been there a lot longer than you. Is there anyone or like any places, obviously you were saying like Whiskey Jam, you went there a lot. Anything that you did that really kind of influenced either you as a person or your writing? Absolutely. There were so many people and that's the beauty of Nashville. And it's still that way is everyone helps each other out. Everyone has made the move and been that new guy that's been in town for a month. But I was really um, fortunate to meet um, the Overstreet family. Um, and Paul Overstreet had had a ton of hits in the 90s, 2000s, like big, big time songwriter. And I met him and um, his daughters through um, a friend of a friend and Summer Overstreet, um, great songwriter. Uh, we started writing together and I learned a lot from her and she was one of my first, you know, co-writers in town. And um, Paul, her dad, you know, helped me out a ton, just kind of figuring out the business of, oh, this is what works. And this is like a standard publishing deal and don't do this and don't give this up. And 
um, it, it was a really eye-opening um, experience to figure out, uh, you know, the, the right steps to take. And so they helped me out a ton. And then as far as um, the business, I mean, I met so many people along the way, but I have to give a huge shout out to BMI, who does, you know, royal, royalties. I had um, a rep at the time uh, named Mark Mason, who worked there and he just took he just loved what I you know what I had even from our first meeting when I was bringing in songs that I didn't even write Nashville I wrote by myself I guess he just saw something he's like this is really cool it's a little left to center um so he after probably shoot two years of meeting with him um I'd, I'd go in every three months and pay, play on my you know top three favorite songs that I wrote um, in those three months. And I usually would write four to five songs at least a week. So I'd go through them and, um, it took about two years. And then he was like, you know what, I think you're ready. We're going to, uh, get you some meetings and, um, and, and, you know, get you kind of where you need to go. Um, because it's a tough spot for them because they don't want to put, you know, their reputation out on the line if you're not ready. And I think, that's my biggest advice to, you know, songwriters too, is, uh, because I, I'm a very prideful guy and, you know, you always think your last song is your best one, but you know, in the scheme of things, it never is. And my last one I wrote one that I wrote won't be my best, best one, you know? So he was able to, to get me some meetings and, um, and also just everyone at BMI, I, I was able to meet through him and they, uh, had mixers with new writers that I met and, um, he ended up, uh, I, I did, a, had a few great meetings and long story short, Brian Kelly from Florida Georgia line had worked with him and emailed him one day and said, Hey, Mark, you know, we're starting a publishing company called tree vibes. And we only have one writer. Do you have any guys that are really close that you like what they do that? And so he introduced me, um, via email to Brian Kelly. And I remember I was writing with Luke Combs that day. Um, we actually wrote used to you. I don't know if you've heard that cut that Luke did, but the same day I wrote that song, I got an email from Brian and Luke and I laughed for like 10 minutes. Cause you're like this, someone's punking us. This is a catfish. <laughs> so Luke, you know, Luke and I were dying. We're like, someone's punking. And, and then I was like, but what if this is real? And he has, and he had a funky email cause obviously he didn't want anyone else to get it. So it had a bunch of, you know, uh, misspelling it was like a misspelling of his name and a number and x and x you know at gmail and I was like uh I don't know but it would turn out to be him and I, I sent him a few songs he's like dude I really like these send send some more so I probably sent him a dozen songs and uh then he set up a right with uh Jordan Schmidt who's had a ton of hits he's been super successful and so I wrote with him we wrote a fun song and so we kept in touch and at the time, for the past year, I'd been writing over at Sony ATV with John Langston um, and a few other guys over there uh, that we had been getting some great stuff. And Sony had just gotten to the point where all the uh, the creatives over there were like, you're here a lot. Like, what's your deal? Like, do you have a deal? Like, are you talking to anyone? And then so I was able to bridge the gap and be like, well, I'm kind of talking to um, uh, Brian Kelly over at Tree Vibes and um, – at the time, Dane Schmidt worked there was Jordan's brother. And so we just connected the dots and Sony was like, listen, we have a ton of writers, but if we could team up with a smaller company, we'd be willing to, um, you know, give you a deal. So long story short, I've uh, got Dane and my plugger Tom together at Sony and they hit it off. And within 
four or five months, um, I was at the table signing my first publishing deal, and it was a co-venture between Sony and Trivod, So Amazing. And it's such a, a cool thing to have such a new company and such an established one going together. And to bridge that gap, as you say, is amazing. And it, am I right in saying they used to have a bus, the Tree Vibes bus, right? Like a writing bus. So did you used to go on a lot of them writes? And how did that kind of change things for you with getting your music out there? Oh, yeah. I spent three years on that bus. Um, and it was some of the best times of my life. We traveled the country. Um, I, places I had never seen before. And um, it was uh, basically a uh, proving ground almost. I mean, you know, we were writing and they were really good about it. Tyler and, and Brian that, you know, had um, any hit writer at their disposal, but they took these, you know, young cats out like myself at the time. And we would write and it was high pressure. I mean, I remember the first song I wrote with them um, and it was one of my first cuts was Kane Brown's Hometown. Um, yeah. And we wrote that in the back of the bus and that was the first song I'd ever written with um, Tyler and Brian. And it, it, we just had a really good um, vibe and, and working relationship. And so within those three years, um, I mean, it changed the game for me as far as relationships. Um, I was able to meet Morgan Wallen and write with him a good bit. And Michael Hardy's a good buddy of mine. And so I wrote a lot of songs with him out there. Um, and Chris Lane, just basically the whole Big Loud Records crowd. Um, and you got to know Craig Wiseman through that. And him and I still write a ton. And it was a great place to meet people um, at that um, type of that level. And it'd be very um, easygoing and not a like one of those environments in Nashville where everyone's trying to, you know, get their agenda across. It was just mm -hmm. very easygoing. Go to a show, have a drink. My name's James. You know, I'm a songwriter. So I would say that changed the game for me relationship wise and got cuts out of it. And um, they were super um, forward thinking to do that because that bus has produced a ton of hit songs. I mean, um, I remember sitting in the back and um, hearing uh, You Make It Easy that Jason Aldean cut that they yeah. wrote up front. And then one day I was in the front of the bus and then I wrote um, with a couple buddies of mine, See You Try, that Craig Campbell put out as a single. And then the same day in the back of the bus, Mark Holman and Hardy wrote Simple that Florida Georgia Line cut. Yeah. So it was just, it was always just a bunch of just great songs all the time. And the bar, the, the level um, of writing was just it, it, the, the top. So you always knew that you had to bring the heat and, and, and great ideas. And, and so we'd work all day out there and then go to the shows. And I think that changed um, – a lot of my writing is seeing what work live uh, because when you sit in your bubble in Nashville and you write songs, you know, and you, you don't realize, and Tyler helped me with this a lot with FGL of he's like, eh, they don't want to hear this or they don't want to go. It's like, it's got to just be easy and fun and sing great. And, and it was able to get it to that level for me where I was like, all right, we don't need to overthink this. It just needs to be fun. It, depending on the song, you know, um, so that helped me a lot is, is seeing what works live and, and what tempos work and what songs need to be in certain spots of the set to bring people down and build them back up. And it's, I mean, the show, when you think about country music, and obviously now it's a funny spot with no shows going on, but like the bread and butter for the artist is to get people to come to the show. So if you have a, a great live show, radio's going to always, you know, pick their favorites and follow you around but if you have a great live show and you're selling tickets and people are going to see you because of your live show 
radio kind of works itself out, you know, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of these new artists, um, we would always laugh, have such a battle of getting that song that breaks them to uh, it radio. And some of them will put ballads out as a first single and you just sit there and you're like, ah, oh, how is this going to work? Because this yeah. is a, you know, a fourth or fifth single great song, but like you, you got to come out of the gate with tempo and something fun and, and people know your personality that works at a live show. So that helped me out a ton that bus yeah and i mean of all the people you're gonna you're gonna get to see live every night florida georgia liner they put on such a great show so do you feel like i know with obviously your own music in the future if you release and tour do you feel like you've learned a lot on that side of things as well or just how to as you said like build a crowd up and keep them going because they have such an incredible live show then boys yeah absolutely i it's funny, you know, my, my music is definitely more um, of the, um, it's the guttier songwriter approach, but I have a few of those fun songs in there. Um, but as far as running a business, uh, those guys really, really um, taught me, um, I mean, everything that I'm going to take with me as far as building my career, but, um, you know, keeping the band happy and keeping everyone happy and because it is your business, you know, you don't think about it. And I was talking to Luke not too long ago and he's like, man, when you start off this thing and you don't realize it, that how many people are counting on you. And then, you know, you get to where you're selling out um, arenas and stadiums and you've got a crew of about, you know, a hundred people that are out there. And then you have 50 people back home or yeah. that they're in Nashville doing your thing and it's all on your shoulders, but you can't think of it that way, but you have to run a, a tight ship. And um, I was always very impressed that there was no fooling around um, backstage. Like, obviously, we had a blast, but they're married. Like, they're, you know, there weren't a bunch of, you know, women, crazy women around and all that type of stuff. Like, it can be on those younger guys' tours. Um, and I just I, – I learned how to um, run, a, run a business, a, a music business, if, if, you know, you're the act and, and how to um, keep everybody happy. And I think that was a big – um, eye-opening thing for me to watch those three years to watch those guys do, do what they did all over the country and all over the world you know going overseas and doing their things so that was um, a great learning lesson for me. Awesome and you you kind of mentioned briefly one of the songs you wrote there Kane Brown Hometown which wasn't he didn't release it as a single did he in the end but it was on his first record and Kane Brown is one of them artists that kind of literally popped out of the blue and just blew up completely mm -hmm. so what was that like having having a song on such a massive record it was funny um Kane is um very shy and he's gotten in you know he's uh made huge strides like now like he's like a completely different in in a great way um around the media and all and he's handled it so well but I remember when he was out on that tour opening it was a whole new thing for him, you know, having a band and cause he went from doing covers um, in his house and that's what blew up on Facebook to having to run a band and having to be out on the road and having to come up with a set. And mm -hmm. I, I remember um, us being out there and we wrote that song and Florida Georgia line had it on hold. And I remember Haley loved it, which is Tyler's wife, but Kane came back to the back of the bus and heard it. And he's like, I have to have this song. I need something tempo. And this feels like me. And I remember Tyler saying, yep, you can, you can have it. And, and all of us at the time were like, 
you know what, this, this is a great decision for us because it's, you know, songs are one of those things where you have to have someone that believes in it, that's willing to take it somewhere. And instead of it getting lost in the shuffle because FGL writes so many songs, it's like when you have an artist and especially him that wants, that wanted it that badly. And was like, this is me. We were like, dude, we would love for you to cut it. And that's how it kind of went down and he cut it. And there was rumblings of it being like the first single um, and ended up, um, you know, they made the right choices and did um, what ifs and all, all that stuff that blew up for them. So um, I was just happy, like you said, to be on that record. I think it's like triple platinum now. It was a, it was a huge record for him. And uh, to see where he's gone from that point to now and um, being able to keep the momentum and, and keep going has been awesome. And um, he's a, a great guy and um, just a sweet kid, you know, um, always been that way. And uh, so that was exciting for, for us to know that this guy wants, he's going to cut it and he cut it within two or three weeks. And, and that's what you want to happen. You know, songs as a songwriter, you can't get married to them and, and it's like a pawn shop, you know, as soon as something comes in, you want it to go off the shelves just to bring something else in, you know? So um, it was great um, to have him cut that song. And that's, you know, one of my bigger uh, album cuts, you know, and um, yeah, I, that was a fun time. Yeah, definitely. And talking of kind of people that literally blow up overnight, and you're probably going to have a different perspective on this because you've known him for a lot longer, but as a fan and as you know people listening to country radio luke combs is literally someone who one day was just a writer and singer in nashville and the next day complete worldwide stardom i mean especially here in the uk countries like it's still not huge but people know who luke combs is he's played on the radio here so how you've written a lot of songs with him his next single loving on you is a co-write of yours you said you'd known him for a while. How did that all kind of come about? How did you meet him? What's the story there? Okay, yeah. Um, it was funny. So um, I had known Ray Fulcher, who's uh, Luke's best friend and collaborator, and Ray's a great guy. Uh, Ray invited um, myself and a couple buddies to play in this um, guitar pool, um, which is Writer's Round in Augusta, Georgia. And at the time, um, Luke was uh, crushing that app called Vine. Remember that? Yeah. And so the six-second videos, and, and he had had a following, and he was kind of starting to move people over to Instagram, and people were, you know, finding out about him. But he was on the bill. And I remember um, playing up there and uh, hearing him sing and was just – there's it's that it factor, you know, and, and just hearing him belt out those songs um, – it, it was just like, it, it was a, just a, a different feeling, you know, mm -hmm. um, after playing a ton of writer's rounds, because that, that was 2014, I'm pretty sure. Um, so I remember um, playing that show, and my dad is like a huge uh, music fan, and, and a very, um, he's a stickler, and I remember him coming up to me after that show, and he's like, son, if there's one thing I can tell you, you need to go right with Luke. Because he's the real deal. He can belt it. Like, this guy's got something. I'm telling you, if you don't do that, you know. So um, what ended up happening was we hung out after the show, and it was at this crazy, like, dance club. And it wasn't really our scene. And I was with my wife or my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And 
um, Luke and I were all kind of just sitting around having a drink and it was loud and we were like, let's go get some food. Like, and they had, they had uh, bought these limos for us for after the show. The promoter was this crazy guy that just, you know, wanted to show off. So we all hopped in this limo and went through the drive through at McDonald's. And um, after having a few drinks, you know, and, and we were dying laughing and eating and, and we just hit it off. And I remember um, that next day in the, ho- in the hotel where we all stayed, um, we were in the lobby and he's like, man, I'm moving to Nashville in a few months. Here's my number. Um, let's, let's start writing. I was like, dude, I'd love to do that. And, that was the story moved into this little apartment that was about 20 minutes away um, from Nashville. And I'd go over there and we'd write and play video games and just got to know each other. And um, we've always had that uh, uh, working relationship where let's really write something. If it's, let's not force it. And we've always kind of had that um, a lot of writers in town and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. You know, we have a write at 11 and if we don't have something done by two 30, then everyone's mad. But like Luke and I can sit there and, and if it, you know, seven hours, we come up with a great verse and chorus and we play a few video games and go fish or whatever. Um, that was a success for me. And I think, um, it's helped me in the long run with him just being comfortable, you know, and not no pressure. And we've gotten some of our, you know, great songs that he's cut just by hanging out. Um, I remember we wrote out there that was on his first record. It was on a writer's retreat in the mountains and we would write like a verse and then go shoot pool and then figure out kind of the chorus. And then it, it was like an all day thing. And we finished it. And I remember us laying that work tape down uh, and, and his vocal. And I remember he sang it like even a half a step higher on the work tape and just belting it. We were like, okay, <laughs> we, this, this is something. Um, so yeah, that's how I met Luke, and and so we've stayed and obviously stayed in touch, and um, and it's I've been writing ever since, and now I go out on the road with him, or kind of whenever he's in the mood to create, and it's uh, been a great great relationship. And watching him, like you said, blow up overnight, he's had a great team. He, uh, I, I I'm trying to think of the um, uh, saying, but like like minded people. Um, attract like-minded people and he has that spirit that he has a great team his manager Kathy's awesome and Lynn um, who started Riverhouse around him and he teamed up with Sony who was the perfect company to take take him where he needed to go mm-hmm. and you, you know he just has it's down to his crew to his band to like there's no there's no bad apples you know and everyone gets along and it's uh, refreshing you know you have to have that um, it's it's one thing to put out great music. It's one thing to be a great singer, but to have um, just a um, force behind you like that 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 are all like minded, um, and that's why the rocket ship is is going to continue to go. Um, and so, yeah, it's been fun to watch. Definitely. And as I kind of mentioned, so his new single "Loving on You" is a co-write. And am I right in saying this is your first cut with him that's a single? Um, yes. So, it what's is. that like for you? Because if, if my knowledge is right, every single one of his singles has gone airplay number one or along that line. So how does that feel for you to know that that's potentially where this is going to go? Oh, it's an amazing feeling. You know, it's what um, we all work for, um, you know, ringing the bell. Um, like I said, I've had a, a ton of songs that um, have you know, been heartbreakers and, and songs that, that were, I was told were the singles. It's not. And um 
I, I think it's a full circle thing for us uh, because he met his producer that did these first two records uh, that I was writing with Scott Moffat, this crazy Canadian guy who, who's just a, a trip. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the early stages of everything, um, and I remember when he was cutting um, the This One's For You record, none of us knew how big it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think the team didn't know, he didn't know. And um, it was inspiring. I mean, it still is inspiring to know that, hey, you put your heart behind something and you do it with guys that you enjoy writing with. And he's always been very big on that because, um, you know, now he's he can write with anyone he wants to. You know, he can call mm-hmm. up Ed Sheeran. He can do, I mean, it's kind of where the point he – that's where, he's, where he is these days. But yeah. he's always taken his buddies with him along for the ride because I think he feels comfortable. And obviously it's been working. Um, but, um, yeah, just to, to have a single that you know that could, could have, a, you know, a very great chance of going number one, is, it's a blessing. I mean, um, I, I just love what I do. I love having a publishing deal. And it's one you have to have those victories to, to keep that deal because there's, you know, a thousand people behind you ready to take your spot, you know. Um, so it's, uh, been a huge blessing and full circle. And I, I really can't wait to, to hear it on the radio and share it with those guys. Cause like I said, Ray and I write a lot together with Luke and without Luke and, and Thomas and I are good buddies who's on that song and, um, we're big golfers. So we play golf a lot and write. So, mm-hmm. um, and that was a special weekend when we wrote loving on you. It was the first time Luke had his own bus. So the crew went to their, his old bus and then he got this new bus and he was super fired up. You know, he had his own space and the shows were packed and the energy was there. And I think that translated into that song or that energy, um, for that weekend and I'm just super happy that he chose it to be a single because you know how it is that his records you could literally throw a dart um at the Mm -hmm. end of the room and whatever song it hits would crush because they're all great songs so it's just it's just hard to to get one so I'm I'm super happy to to finally um get one uh going to radio and um I appreciate him you know making that choice with his team and um I think it's going to be a great one for the summer and it's fun and up-tempo so I'm excited. Yeah, and you kind of you kind of answered my question already in saying that, but as you said, literally any of that album could be a hit single. And you had a couple of cuts on there. Is it, I know you kind of posted on Instagram that you loved this song in particular, but is it, were you really happy it was that single or would you have been happy if it was any of your cuts? Oh, I'd be happy if it was any of them. Um, I, like I said, I, I love what we write. I love what he cuts. I mean, I love that whole record songs that I didn't write on that record. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, just to have one that everyone agrees on because you know how it is. Um, you, you have the label's point of view and you have management's point of view and then you have Luke's point of view and, and they all do a very good job at coming to a conclusion of timing. And that goes back to that thing I said that he's got a great team around him and, yeah. and they know exactly where they want to, what they want to do and when. And, um, and I know that's not going to slow down. They just have a lot of great minds um, that put together that have kept this train going. So I'm just excited that my uh, song was, was part of that plan that they have right now. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pre-congratulate you on your next number one. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I have all fingers crossed. And if it goes the way it's been going, I'm sure this will get there. Um, but obviously, you, so you've written a lot with Luke, but there are some other names that you've kind of mentioned throughout that have been huge for you. So Morgan Wallen, Chris Lane. Is there any 
songs or people like in particular that stand out for you like as I said at the beginning of this interview I'm sure you've probably written someone's favorite song for me have me by halftime Morgan Wallen is one of my favorites of the last few years but are there any songs that haven't been singles or have just been album cuts that you're really kind of especially proud of or you really love oh yeah um it's it's funny it i i've always loved and and luke cut that was used to you um which was a you know an interesting story my my uncle had just passed away and we started writing that idea but it was about um a girl mm-hmm. and i had told the story to luke yeah i was like it's been crazy for my family you know trying to figure this all out because he died pretty young and just trying to figure out funeral arrangements and we got going on this song about a girl and he just kind of stopped he's like man this isn't this idea like let's write mm-hmm. let's write from a first person point of view um of just losing somebody and just not knowing what to do and use this hook and i remember that song spilled out and i listened to the work tape and i got goosebumps and i was like man this is this is going to mean a lot to, to a lot of people and so with that being said, that's one of my favorites, I think, that I've written as far as um, just being um, genuine and authentic and what, you know, was going on in, in my life. And for him to chase that with me and write that song was amazing. And, and I've actually sent handwritten lyrics to fans that have hit me up after seeing that I'm a writer. And um, they'll be like, let me, you know, I'll pay blah, blah, blah. And for me to let my uncle's legacy move on, because he was a big musician, um, I just pay for everything and send pics and, and sign stuff and, and go. And I think that's really been um, a special point in my career to know that that song means a lot to a ton of other people too. Um, so that would be one that uh, I'd say that, yeah, just as far as the uh, subject matter and where I was at the time of my life. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I love, um, right now, Jaron Johnson of the Cadillac 3 um, is my producer, so we're working on an album right now, and he's been um, an amazing uh, mentor and uh, has helped me out through the ups and downs of this career. He's seen it all. He's had a ton of hits, and um, that band, I don't know if you've seen them live, um, so, so underrated just the three-piece band I mean they tear the house down every night guys an incredible guitar player incredible singers got great songs um so the songs that I've I've been writing with um him and his drummer uh Neil for three years now yeah and we wrote a song um and I could say it now I probably couldn't say it two months ago but Keith Urban cut that's going to be on his um EP the speed of sound or um speed of I forget what it's called I think it's like (laughs) Um, uh, anyway, it's, it's, uh, September 18th and it's called Tumbleweed. And we wrote that, uh, in the back of the Cadillac three bus. And I remember Jaron, uh, we had all had a few adult cocktails, um, <laughs> that night and he's and it was like, you know, midnight, you know, 11 o'clock after he's like, I'm sending this to Keith. He's, he, he's like, he's going to eat this riff up. I guarantee you. And I'm telling you, he sent it over to Keith, and within 15 minutes, he's like, I love this. I'm cutting it. Please don't let anyone else hear it. And so Jaron has been co-producing this song with Keith, and it's been going on for like a year and a half. And um, I'm super excited about that one coming out. It's fun. It's fast. It's got that Cadillac 3 rock vibe, but Keith has got um, his whole spin on it, and I'm super excited for that one to come out. 
Amazing. And that's there's a ton of other ones. I love Have Me by Halftime, too. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Um, that was one of those ones that was supposed to be a single, and we were told that for months and months and months, and then it doesn't happen. And, you know, it's crazy. You're the, uh, a ton of people tell me that's their favorite song, especially uh, being from South Carolina, and um, football's very big, college yeah. football. And um, a lot of uh, college um, sweethearts and, high, I mean, all, you know, go to football games and, and that's a big thing. That's a date, a, a Saturday date, you know. So I've had just probably at least 100 people tell me that that's their favorite song, you know, just through the years of it being out. Yeah, it's, it's a great one. And um, am I right in saying that we're going to have some new music from you this year? Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, with COVID-19 going on, it's been um, a little bit crazy uh, in the cutting world. Um, a lot of people aren't really going back to the studio right now. Um, but Jaron and I have figured out uh, a really cool way of working um, where I will uh, kind of send him a structure of how I want it to sound. And he'll build the track and then he'll get guys to play drums on it and stuff and fly that, you know, send it in via, um, you know, internet. Mm-hmm. and he puts it all together and builds it and then I'll sing the vocals right here in my house because I have a studio set up you can't see it but it's right behind us um and so um I just cut my first one that's going to be um on that project and I think we're going to cut um nine songs um and then either drop some singles and then an EP or we're still trying to figure it out my uh manager's been doing a great job uh, her name's Justine and um, has really, really helped me navigate um, the, the whole artist thing since it's new to me. Um, but it's one of those uh, projects the same same way where it we're just going to see where it lands. You know, it would be awesome to, to be able to go to radio at some point or do the, the um, you know, record label thing and if, it, if all that works out. But I've got the, the band ready to go and um, a lot of the pieces are um, in line. So, It'll basically just, you know, see how the music um, turns out and translates. But um, like I said, my vibe is um, a lot more lyrically driven um, and uh, it's, it's a little left to center. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see how it translates with country yeah. fans. Awesome. And I'm sure you'll have a lot of support, as you said, people like Luke and Morgan and Florida George Line, who you've worked with. And that, I mean, always helps. Um, so that'll be exciting. Is there any update on kind of when we can expect it or is it all obviously, as you said, COVID-19? <laughs> so I can give, you, I can give you a ballpark. Um, we're, we're thinking um, late summer, fall, um, kind of once we figure out what's going on with the COVID because um, I was going to open up for Cadillac 3 um, on some summer and fall dates and now um, we're not sure what's going on with that. So we have to figure it out. So it's all kind of a, like I said, a planning thing of knowing when to drop the stuff and having some merch and getting the band ready. And I'll, I'll probably do a lot of those shows acoustic starting out just to kind of um, figure out what I need to do and keep the overhead low. Cause I could just ride the bus with those guys and write during the day and then do my, you know, 30 to 45 minute set acoustic and um, go out there. And a lot of the songs that I'm cutting, um, I, I co-wrote with Jaron because I feel like we, we get the vibe that I'm going for. So yeah. it's been fun that he's had, um, some skin in the game as far as the songwriting side as producer because he wants these songs to be as best you know the, the best they can be and um, and even stuff that he didn't write obviously but he's been an, an amazing um, asset for for what I'm trying to do 
um, as far as getting the sound that he, he believes that I should have. We get in arguments for hours on the, in good argument on the bus. And yes. he's like, this is not you. This is, this needs to be pitched. You know, you write so many songs and you're like, this is a hit. And it's like, but it's not a hit. I, I, I can't put myself into those shoes and sing something like that. Cause it's not me. And so it was hard to, to narrow it even down to nine songs. And so we'll just, keep the, the ones and try to keep the momentum going and, and figure and getting all that figured out. But uh, yeah, we're excited. So look, look out for that, like late summer, um, fall, depending on um, kind of what's going on in the world at the time. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely something to look forward to. And um, so we have to wrap things up now. That has flown by actually. Um, but before I know you're going to play us a song. Um, but before you do, I just want to ask you my three quick fire questions, which I ask everyone. Um, okay. They are just music fan questions, really. Um, okay. So first and foremost, three songs that you wish you'd have written. Um, okay. Uh, Atlantic City, uh, Bruce Springsteen. I just love the melody and just love that story song of just kind of, you know, <laughs> that love, that love song. Another one, um, I would have to say, uh, I love God Bless the Broken Road. I feel like just uh, just those melodies and how Flats did it and just uh, that's another one. I, I love that song. And I'm a huge Jason Isbell fan. I'd say the, the, the last one, um, I mean, Cover Me Up is so good. Mm -hmm. And I've been a fan of that song for so long. And Morgan did a great job on it, too. So I'm glad it's kind of getting to uh, a lot more ears now. So I'd say those three. Um, and there's a ton of others, but off the top of my head. Nice. Uh, and then three albums you couldn't live without. Three albums I couldn't, I would say Nebraska, Bruce Springsteen. Um, let's see. Um, what's another one? Um, I would say uh, Leonard Skinner's Second Helping. Just a, just a great um, Southern rock record. Yeah. Um, and I would say Southeastern um, Jason Isbell. I just feel like, I mean, that's the, the bar for the, you know, that type of, you know, lyrical genius. Um, so I would say those three. Amazing. And uh, somehow I feel like I might know the answer to this one, but three writers that you haven't written with that you'd love to write with. That I haven't written with. Um, I, okay, I'll shoot for the stars here. I would, I would say um, Ed Sheeran would be fun. Nice. Um, and I'm trying to think. Um, I've been really blessed to be able to write with a lot of great writers here in town. Um, I haven't written with um, Shane McAnally yet. I think that would be fun. Um, yeah. He's he's awesome. And he just produced uh, a song with Kylie Morgan that um, I co-wrote that's her single. That's that They did a great job. So I would say Shane in Nashville. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Taylor Swift. <laughs> she doesn't co-write. I mean, she does co-write, but, yeah. you know, like it's more pop stuff. I, I just love what she does, too. I mean, yeah. I think the, as far as, like, artistry is concerned and for a, for her to be able to bridge the gap from country to pop and do it all it's just uh pretty yeah. amazing so see yeah she's she's done she's done all right <laughs> um but anyway we're gonna have to end things now so before you sing thank you so much um as i say it's flown by which is such a good thing uh so much knowledge so many great hits we really look forward to hearing the EP or the singles um, and we'll definitely look out for it so if you're listening or watching 
make sure you keep an eye out. Um, and Luke's new single, which you co-wrote, is out next Friday, I believe. Um, yep. Loving on you. So keep an eye out for that one too. So I will yeah. leave it to you. Awesome. Well, I could, I'll let you decide. Do you want it? I could do loving on you or I could do one off my record. Oh, let's, let's have one off your record because we haven't heard okay. it. Yeah, there you go. That's you can play perfect. both if you want. We've got time. <laughs> All right. So like I said, I went to Alabama and, um, and spent two years there and, and kind of partied a lot. Couldn't find a major. And this just popped in my head. I wrote this by myself um, a couple uh, months ago. And it's called Party and Degree. And um, yeah, so let's see if I can remember it. Write a lot of songs. <laughs> My senior year of high school, I pulled 3.9. It was the only way my GPA could reach the finish line. When I opened up the mailbox, I jumped up and down. Let the county line late summertime. I 20 mama found. And I rolled with the tide. Had money to blow. And I danced every night to that couple band copyhead road. It was purple haze and derby days, nights, and it's free. I never graduated, but I got my partying degree. Stuck in Evan Williams and Brian Denny didn't blame. Made long neck cold beer buckets at a bathroom sinks. I passed all my classes, the 101s and 202s, but I aced everything mama and daddy never knew. And I rolled with the tide, had money. And I danced every night to that cover band copperhead road. It was purple haze and derby days, nights it is free. I never graduated, but I got my party in degree. Chased around to Katie till she broke my heart in two. Hurt me so damn bad that I barely left my room. But with a six string and a melody, I wrote my first song. Finally found a meaning to that road I was on. And I rolled with the tide. Had money to blow, and I danced every night to that cover band, Copperhead Road. It was purple haze and derby days, nights it in a spree. I never graduated, but I got my party in degree. And 
them SEC memories gave me songs to sing. So I thank God I got me one of them partying degrees.